Welcome to Podcast Q with Matt Henney. That is me, and I'm recording this wearing my very best chaps and leather vest because I'm here today talking with leather royalty. That's Richard Ramey, the longtime owner of the Atlanta Eagle. Hey, Richard. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're recording this interview on October 12th, just four days after Richard made the surprising announcement that the Eagle, one of Gay Atlanta's oldest bars, is closing its doors on Ponce de Leon Avenue with plans to reopen in 2021. So Richard, we'll just dive right in. What what led to that announcement? Well, I tell you what, it's been um, an ongoing situation. I'm, I'm, I try to be very transparent to our community. And um, so the landlord and I both have been in, in talks um this whole year. And of course the talks became a little bit more serious, um, after March the 18th. Um, as we all know, that was the last day we were open before the pandemic. And so we, you know, we started talking at, at during the pandemic and there was, you know, at that time there, we didn't even know when we were going to reopen, you know, luckily we all got to reopen back up on June the 3rd, but, um, he, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is, you know, when it's behind the scenes and all the ins and outs of, of leasing from uh, from another person. So he he had someone interested in the property and I had almost two years left in my lease. So I, I basically told him he, he has been so good to me as a landlord other than put money into the building. <laughs> That's another story. I would love to get on that topic because I want people to understand why he didn't. But long story short, you know, I said, look, I said, if you really got a ser- that series of a buyer and you need me out of the way, I said, you know, in the back of my head, I was thinking this would be a good time for us to relocate because I've known for years when I went into this three year lease, I was told then this would be my last lease. So I've known for over over a little over a year that I had, you know, I, I had to start looking, you know, the pandemic hit. And when I, I I follow a lot of media when it comes to this pandemic and, you know, not just CNN, but I, I, I try to really, you know, listen to, to, to the doctors and the scientists. And I really I hate, I hope I'm wrong. I hate to be wrong, but I hope I'm wrong that we're not going to have a rough winter, but I have a really scary feeling that this is going to be a rough winter. So I just knew that I was, they wasn't going to have to close me that I just couldn't operate a, a nightclub during a pandemic. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. The, um, you know, the Eagle has an incredible loyal following, which who we dearly love, but there's a large sector of that community that wants to come and dance. And that's the one thing that I took away that I didn't bring back because I cannot see how you can socially be distanced and and be safe on a dance floor. It's hard enough to even just to be safe coming to a bar in general. But at least, you know, I went in after June the 3rd and I said, you know, we have this wonderful patio. We have two stories. We have the back, you know, the back of the bar that, you know, we have, you know, that opens back into the patio. So I thought between that and social distancing and wearing masks and making sure there's hand sanitizer and trying to be as safe as I could, I thought that we could operate through the summer. But I, I kept trying to figure out how we were going to survive the winter. And that's when I decided it was maybe this this was the time for us to um, you know, throw in the towel for a while, give everybody a break. You know, I, one of the things about our community is, you know, we don't have to tell them to stay home or what's safe. We have a very smart and loving and caring community. And it's very obvious from this past Saturday Night Pride that, you know, everyone is being safe. I mean, we had a very, very small turnout, but I wanted to be open and have just a little something in the parking lot, just, just so we can say we had our final pride, you know, and uh, we didn't have any event or the dance floor was still closed, but we had the ones that felt comfortable in coming out. They came, they came out and they got to spend Saturday night and have a few drinks and we all got to talk and, and, you know, be together. And, and so it was a very special night for me. It really was. Well, I know that business has been impacted for you and for, you know, most businesses during coronavirus, but it sounds like from what you're saying that, that you had that, if you weren't going to be able to do super well during summer, you knew winter was going to be even slower. So it was an opportunity to deal with an issue you knew was going to be down the road in terms of the lease. Correct. There was that. And also, um, 
you know, a little backstory real quick. I want everybody to understand the, the situation with the building and the reason it's in the condition it's in. And, you know, that's very important. We all, if you're a customer at the Atlanta Eagle, you know, the building is in, needs some repairs and the building was built in 1894. So we've got to keep that in mind. Another thing we keep in mind as an owner, you know, it was built in 1894 for the mayor of Atlanta's daughter. So there's a lot of history at the Atlanta Eagle and the building itself is just an amazing building. Um, I want to say someone did a, a story about it and it, it, it kind of um, listed all the businesses that, that were there. It's, it's really fascinating to read about that, uh, to read about 306. But the backstory of this recent landlord, he was my fourth, which that's that's kind of bad in itself. You know, when you've gone through four landlords in 23 years, you know, because every time it changes hands, you got to go, you know, the whole gamut goes over again. So, but he had purchased both buildings, the Kodak building and the Atlanta Eagle has has been sold together since the very beginning. I was there less than a year when the owner of the Kodak building died and Jeff Nortrika of Inman Park Properties swooped up the Kodak building. And from that point on, they've been sold together. They've not been split up. Not that they have one anything to do with one another. They just happen to, you know, to be sold together. So long story short, he bought them. He bought the the corner because he had gotten approved for a grant through the county of Fulton County to open up a medical facility in the Kodak building. And that was going to be for the for uh, low income people, for the for for homelessness, for uh, it was going to be mental health. It was going to be um, it's going to have a, a lot of different doctors in there that was going to work for the community. And it was going to be such a great location. So he got approved for this. I want to say a 10 million dollar grant and. They said, oh, but you got to own, own the property in which you are going to be located. So he bought it. And a month later, when he thought everything was done, they pulled the grant from him and gave it to somebody else. I think they gave it to somebody that was sitting on the board, a friend of a friend. You know how the government works. He lost the grant. And so it's not like he had all this money in the bank planning on fixing up these buildings. He was had the grant in place that was going to fix both buildings up. Well, the grant, when it fell through, it was pretty catastrophic for, catastrophic for him. But he, he did try to do his best, you know, in trying to keep the building, um, you know, in good condition. But um, it's just, um, and so the more I realized that, you know, so much work needed to be done, I, I couldn't see financially putting a ton of money into a building a i didn't own and b my lease was going to be less than two years so that's sort of how we got where we are today um i don't hold any um grudges or or i don't I, i'm not upset with him i mean he he bought this building with no intention of this to happen he thought he was going to be there for 20 years you know he said i wasn't going anywhere that's why i was really excited when he bought it and then and then circumstances happen in business and in life that sometimes just wasn't planned and that was one of them and so that's kind of why we're here today right and i, I remember writing the story about that and in, in uh i think it was 2016 when when he purchased the property and we talked about the plans for the for the building next door and you were very uh complimentary of the of the owner uh, back then so the the parting of the ways has has been uh, amicable most definitely. Yeah. We agreed. I mean, this was nothing I was this was nothing forced. We we did come to an agreement and sign legal papers. So we, we did come to an agreement and, and um, you know, I agreed because I knew once again that I, there was just going to be no way financially I was going to be able to operate a bar during the wintertime, you know, um, uh, for now, you know, but um, it was, um, it was, trust me, I mean, there has been lots of tears over this and um, uh, um, some people just have got to understand, you know, sometimes we, we talk about that Atlanta Eagle and people, you know, kind of roll their eyes, you know, to some people it's just a bar, some people it's a bar they don't even like or go to, but you know, for others it's a home, it's a, it's a safe place, it's a place that means something to them, such as myself. I mean, Matt, I've been going there 33 years. You know, you, you say Richard owns the bar. I, I've only owned it for 23 years. The first 10 years, I was a customer just like everybody else. And I still kind of feel like I'm a customer. I love the Eagle and I love, I call myself the gatekeeper. I don't necessarily say I'm the owner or I'm this, I'm that. I feel like that I was brought into the Eagle to help take care of it and to maintain it and to keep the doors open because, you know, very few, few people remember or forget that you know, 23 years ago when I bought it, 
it was bankrupt and it was about to close. It had a week left. And um, we, I, I, you know, I, I feel so fortunate and I'm and so proud that I was able to, I guess, and, and I don't know if the right word saved the eagle, but I basically that's what we did is we, we, you know, and here we are 23 years later. And you know, I want to encourage everybody that's listening and everybody that's talking about the eagle to please know that. Uh, we are going to reopen. We're just, I know everybody says, well, the jungle said they were going to reopen and never did. Well, I don't know anything about the jungle or any other businesses, but I'm telling you now, we're going to reopen a new location. It's it's going to be a challenge to find the right one, but we are going to reopen and um, we're going to come back bigger and stronger and we're going to have a the same format. We're going to have the same love that we have for our community. We're going to provide the safe place for all of us to come and be ourselves. And Atlanta's, you know, we're, we are not skipping a beat. So we're going to keep, just keep going. And um, I, my goal is June the 1st, but, you know, if the pandemic goes better than than that, it might, it might be May the 1st, might be April the 1st. As soon as I think it's safe to operate a, a club with a dance floor, you know, where I can generate revenue to pay the bills, we're going to be there. And I, and I do want to get to the little bit of the history of uh, of the bar and some of the challenges that you face in finding a new space. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to ask you, what's the reaction been from, from patrons in the larger LGBTQ community in Atlanta since you made the announcement Thursday? Oh, listen, it, it's it, this community, uh, you know, from the moment we closed on March 18th, to the day we reopened on June the 3rd, they were there for for us, they were there for the staff. They have been there for the me. They've been there. I mean, listen, this community is so incredible. And, you know, I can't say that enough. I mean, it's been just so, so incredibly um, touching. The day after I made the announcement, my phone rang off the hook and I already had people text them wanting to know where they could donate money. I mean, it's it, the, the love for this community. And, and, and it's so, like I said, to some, it's just a bar, but Atlanta Eagles so much more, and it means so much more to this community. And that's why I, I cannot let this community down and not reopen. So that's why I know, you know, you know, what I when I set my mind to something, I I, I, I can do it, and this this can be done. This is not this is going to be a challenge, but it can be done. Well, and you wear your emotions on your sleeve, which is honestly what I think makes you such a, a beloved figure in Atlanta. And during your announcement last week, you, you choked up a couple of times. What's it been like for you personally in recent weeks as you kind of sort of struggled with this decision and, and, and move forward on closing, uh, announcing the closure of the bar? You ask my husband, he'd probably tell he's tired of hearing me cry, but he, uh, it's, um, it's been it's just very emotional. I mean, like I said, there's some of us that have an emotional connection and and a connection to this this place that we call the Atlanta Eagle, and others are just you know think it's just another bar. But me personally, you know, and it's not just because I own it, but it's because of, of the memories and the things that that has happened to me. And 33 years ago, you know, you know, you didn't, you know, I can, you know, I can say this because I'm a fat boy. You know, you didn't, you didn't. Fat boy didn't. Fat boys didn't walk into a bar and take their shirts off, honey. I mean, trust me, they <laughs> they, they just didn't. But you know, I, I, I tell this story the very first time on that dance floor at the Line Eagle. I took my shirt off, and those guys thought I was sexy. You know, I thought I had just done died and went to heaven. You know, it was it was it's it's a feeling that 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 will will be with me for the rest of my life, and it, it's you know because you know. One of the first times I ever went to the armory back then as a gay man, and you know somebody some said something called me a fat ass or something, and and my boyfriend at the time picked him up and put him against the wall and said, "Don't you ever talk to my boyfriend like that again." And so you know we sometimes in our community we can be very judgmental towards others, and um, that's the one one of the things about our community I don't always understand because we're like I said we're such a loving and caring and diverse community we we should take the time to love one another and care for one another and and not be you know not be judgmental and so anyway that's that's um so yes I, it's been tough it's been really tough and um and not only this you know you you know I just got through saying I've been kind of having this over my shoulders for almost a year and and um it's been a really tough decision but i i thought that all the stars had lined it lined up this way 
for this to ha- this is like meant to be or something. So, but you know, we we never know what tomorrow's going to bring. So that's um, that's that's one lesson I learned in, through this is you just you just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So, but um, so one side of me, I'm just like so excited and I can't wait and and I can't wait to, to see this this vision come alive. And the other side of me, I'm just absolutely devastated. Describe a little bit about the 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 sort of I think you have two weekends of, of closing parties and, and some are VIP events with a cover charge and others will be free events. Well, what I I, I made the announcement and I wish that when I did it, I had all this already planned, but unfortunately all this is everything is unfolding on a daily basis. So my plan was I wanted to give people the opportunity to come and say goodbye to their bar, to their home. So I thought the last the first two weekends in in November, I wanted to, um, to you know host like a, a VIP party, which tickets will go on sale. Um, I, it, they're going to be between fifty and seventy five dollars. Everybody keeps telling me I need to charge seventy five or hundred, but I'm trying to keep it affordable. And I'm, what I'm going to do, um, we had a big issue down in the basement, and a, a lot of the, we got a lot of bricks. We had they got a lot of bricks. So we had to do some work down there, and the bricks were put outside, not to be given away. They were put outside to be taken away, and so it just came up to my. You know, I thought, oh, I said, everybody, you know, you always want a little piece of history of something. And then we're going to do a commemorative T-shirt and we're going to do open bar for two hours. So it's going to be a, a really fun night for us to come together in small groups. That's why I was going to do four nights so we could break it up so we all could be safe and do social distancing and stuff. And and then the rest, the, the rest of the last two weeks, you know, during the week, you know, Sunday through you know, Thursday, and we're just going to open regularly. But that way, for people that that might not can afford anything right now, I mean, we got a lot of people struggling, including myself. So, I mean, it's it's not, uh, you know, not everybody has extra money to laying around to go out to a bar. Or uh, so my my goal was, you know, the rest of the week we're going to be open. If you just want to come out for a drink and, you know, tell the see the bartenders or you know just come in for one last time, that that's going to be great as well. Turning to a new space, you said hopefully you'll be opening up in June of, of 2021. What are you looking for in a new new space for the Eagle? Well, if you watch the my announcement on Facebook Live, someone said more parking and no stairs. So we're going to start with that. <laughs> you know, and, and I also have had so many. I have people. navigated those those back stairs up into the bar many a late night when I have probably had you know more than a drink, and uh, those those can be tough. Those back stairs, they, they can. They that you know when you're dealing with an old mansion on Ponce de Leon, there's definitely definitely stairs involved. But with that said, um, you know everybody. I've had a lot of people say about, you know, the charm and the character, the character that that building has. And yes, I understand that. And I will never be able to replace that. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, that that building will never be able to be replaced. That building is 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 um, it's an amazing piece of property. Um, I wish that I had been able to purchase the building along when I purchased the Eagle 23 years ago. We, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But unfortunately, um it was sold a month before. That's why they were closing. They got all the money for real estate and it was an estate. So they had no interest in running a bar. So they were just going to close it. So basically I want, you know, I want to look for the right amount of space that we need. I want to, you know, um, you know, we've got to have, um, you know, the areas for our clubs. I mean, like I said, the format's not going to change at all. I mean, we're going to keep our clubs and our Mr. And Miss Eagle and our, um, you know, all of our events, you know, our leather events. So, you know, and it's got to have an outside, you know, you that's to me one of the best things of any bar is, is having an outside area. Just we're, We'll find it. Just it's, it's out there. It sits out there. Are you you concerned about? Uh, I mean, it's got to be tough to look in. Uh, I don't know exactly where you're looking, but in Midtown, with real estate the way it is, and the Beltline sucking up, you know, any sort of adjacent property, that, that seems like a challenge. And then on the on the flip side, trying to find an area with a neighborhood that's going to uh, be okay with a bar. Coming in, I mean, we had you know had answered him on the belt line. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Thursday that 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 the land, the owner wasn't interested in a long term lease, so that's out. Um, uh, uh, a gay strip club that was going to open in Ansley Square uh, that had problems with neighborhood groups, and so 
they're not opening there. So are you concerned about trying to find affordable space in, in Midtown? Well, let me let me say this. It's, it's gonna, like I said, it's going to be a challenge. But I think that a lot of your neighborhood associations are very concerned with um, people that come along that they may not know. My community has known me for 23 years. When I went before the liquor board, when I bought my business partner out, Robbie Kelly, and I went before the liquor board, the liquor board kindly reminded me they had never met me in the 23 year, 20 something years that I had owned the Eagle and that they really appreciated that. So I've never been before the liquor board. I've never had any citations and I worked really, really close with my neighborhood association. I mean, I let my neighbors use my dumpster. I let my neighbors use my parking lot during the day when we're closed. I'm all about neighborhood. Am I am I looking to, to be adjacent to a neighborhood? Not really, but has our neighborhood at the Eagle been good to us? Most definitely. I had neighbors in there Saturday nights that oh, you know, it was a straight couple and they walk up two, three times a week to have a drink and, and talk to the bartenders. They love everybody there. So would I like to be adjacent to a neighborhood? I would love that, but that's not necessarily gonna be one of my things that I'm looking for. I'm, I'm going to really be wanting to look for a safe place, a, an, an area that, you know, it's easy to get to, um, um, you know, just all of the things that, you know, you would assume I'd be looking for. So um, when it comes to, I, you know, I, I just think the Eagle itself has a reputation. And I just, um, and I think myself as a businessman, I hope that if I do have to, to cross that, bridge that people will go back and look and see how I have ran the Eagle for the last 23 years and how hard I worked with my neighborhoods and how hard I've, you know, tried to be a good business owner. So hopefully I won't have that whole, um, I won't have that big of a problem, but you know, you know, as you know, as a businessman, you know, think all that's part of it. I mean, you got to, you got to deal with that. I'm hoping one of the things I told my agent, and when I, one of the things I told my agent, I said I'd love to find a location that's had a liquor license. So that's, I think that's important. If any agents are out there looking, I've been getting a lot of messages from y'all, and I love each and every one of you, but. Um, when you have an agent in the family, I'm, I'm, I am committed to a, an agent right now, but if you, any, any suggestions or if any properties come up that you want to, that you, you know, think would be perfect for the Eagle, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me through Facebook. Is the search for a new property confined to Midtown or are you, is it a bigger area? Are you looking in West Midtown or East Atlanta? Well, we're, we're, we're starting as close to the Eagle as we can right now, uh, you know, as we know, I mean, I'm going to say this because, and I say this in a very, and very, another thing that I hope I'm wrong about, as, you know, and that is I, I'm, I'm afraid that after the first of the year, we might have more locations to choose from. And I hope I'm wrong, but I mean, it, it, you know, if you listen to people uh, talk about the future of commercial real estate and everything, you know, they're really, they're really painting a gloom picture, a glim picture right now, a gloom picture, but I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping everyone's wrong because I don't wish any bad on anybody, but, and, you know, I know I don't, I've not really got real aggressive in the look right now because I, I'm just not quite ready. You know, I can't go into a space right now and pay six months of rent without generating revenue. So I don't want to find that perfect place and not be able to get it. So um, we, we're looking, but we're, we're not as seriously looking as we're going. We've already looked at two spaces. And so we're not as seriously looking as we're going to really get real aggressive after the first of the year. You bought the bar. You had a business partner, Robbie Kelly. Y'all owned it uh, until you took full ownership in 2015. Will the new Eagle have more partners, uh, more more owners, or is it still going to be you? Right now, it's just going to be me. Um, I'm not the easiest person to work with, so um, I'm a... <laughs> I'm real nice out on the outside, but when it comes to business, I, I'm I'm very I'm I'm um, I'm very anal. But uh, it's um, you know I've been asked that question. Would I am I saying I would never take on a business partner? Absolutely not. Um, I, there's at this moment there's not necessarily a, a reason to do that. Um, as I get older or something, it might be something I want to look at or or something like that. But right now, I just um, I feel like I got another good ten years in me, and and um, I. I I really want to, um, this is, this is going to, for me, it's going to probably be the second, second busy, biggest thing I've ever done in my life. The first is opening my flower shop 
31 years ago. And this is going to be really big for me. And I'm, I'm going to really want to try and do it right. So I know I'm not going to be able to keep, get everybody happy, but I'm, I'm hoping that the community will be proud of their new home. Beyond its roots to 1894 that you went through, which was really interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of some of that history, but the history of the building as a bar goes back to renegades and when that concept failed the original owner revamped the space as the eagle then that ran into some trouble and so 33 years ago so that would be 1987 mm-hmm. you and robbie came in and and bought the eagle is that, is that I, 1997 we bought the eagle 1987 is when the eagle was open and the first 10 years uh, the owner's name was jay evans he also owned for the old, old people like me in atlanta he owned etc magazine so um, oh, i didn't know that and it's fascinating i didn't either i mean until um i was after I bought the Eagle, I, I, there was a stack of et cetera magazines in, in the office with the black cover on the day he died, when Jay died. And I said something and someone said, oh, yeah, he owned et cetera magazine, too. I said, oh, so a little gay history there, if y'all didn't know. So Jay Evans, who owned the Eagle, owned et cetera magazine in the beginning. But um, but you, there's another little piece of history. And I wish I could. I don't want to tell the story wrong, but right before Renegades, there was another bar, and that's where RuPaul got his start. So this is part of the story that was written on the building, and there's actually a picture of RuPaul in the Eagle. Now, it wasn't the Eagle. It was before Renegades. Okay. I don't know what year that was. But I, I'm sorry. I wish I had the, the exact year that was. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of um, a lot of gay history at 306. I mean, it's if you and a lot of people. I'm hoping to use um, so everybody understand that when the Atlanta Eagle opened and there was a sign out front. It didn't say Eagle or anything. It was just a red eagle with 306 on it. So that's my not to give away any surprises but that's what i'm hoping my commemorative t-shirt is going to be but anyway the reason being is that you heard it here first i know really the reason it was that way you know i was i've been you know i've I've learned a lot about the leather community and and um and so um in the fetish community in atlanta and and all of my wonderful um atlanta eagle family have been so good with me and patient with me you know as most of you know i'm not a not a leather man i consider i guess i consider myself a bear a southern bear that that because i was one of the founding members but it was um the sign just said 306 because you know back 33 years ago it wasn't that popular to advertise a gay bar so um uh that's why it was just a red eagle and it said 306 on it um, was because you know back then you, you didn't necessarily advertise gay bars you know it was uh, there was um you know you had to be very careful when you announced the closing of the current site last week you said you've been a customer for all 33 years what was it like when you first walked into the eagle how, how old were you Lord, we'd have to do math for that. But let me just tell you, it was it was um, um, subtract thirty three from fifty six, and that um, twenty twenty six. I know what twenty something. Uh, twenty three. Twenty three. I was a baby. I was a baby. baby. So you keep in mind back then the legal drinking age was eighteen. So um, I started, I, you know, started out young. But the, you know, there was an old gravel parking lot in the front over there across the street on Ponce, and you walked in, and you know they had the rail around the dance floor where you could watch people dance, and um, you know the old the middle hallway had an old cigarette machine, and I just, I just, I always remember this as is where I just I felt like I felt like that I that I um. I found a place that I belonged, that, that I found a place that I could be myself. And so it was um, it was just it was amazing to me. And, and, you know, I could, you know, I could hold another man's hand or kiss another man in public. And, you know, we we so many people before me have made this possible. And us, the older generation, has tried to really make it possible for the younger generation. I think. Each generation that comes along has it a little bit easier than the one before. And so I'm very grateful for all the people that came before me to make it uh, possible for me to be able to have went to the Eagle 33 years ago. But um, and I'm hoping that the younger generation is very grateful for everything that we've done to try to to um, make it a good world for them to live in. Was that the first gay bar you'd been to? That was the 
I think the first gay bar I went to was probably the Armory, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't know that, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't even know the Eagle. I didn't even know the Eagle existed at the time. So I think I want to say the Armory might have been my first first gay. Yeah, it was the Armory. I was still in high school, so um, but I was 18, so I turned 18 in January of that year, and I was able to to go to bars. What attracted you to the Eagle? Yeah, you, I think at the time it was known for like a leather bar and a cruise bar, and um, we, I did mention I was young, so and I think single, so um, I think it was the place to be. It, like I said, you know, we were not the first time, but one of the first times I'll never forget. I was walking down the hallway. And this cute bear was leaning up against the cigarette machine. His name was Bobby Phillips. And uh, he said, hey, you want to help us join a bear club? And I said, what's a bear? <laughs> he said, you are. I said, oh, <laughs> didn't even know what a bear was. So so him and Bobby Phillips and Mike Reeser and, oh, goodness, I can't remember everybody's name, Mike Polston. I mean, there was so many. There's a group of guys that started. The bear movement was going on around the country, and uh, they wanted to start the Southern Bears here in Atlanta. And so um, I was um, fortunate enough to be a part of and, and help get that started. So it was um, so just it's just so many incredible memories that, that I'll that I'll cherish the rest of my life. You mentioned that the dance floor was in the same place. What about the rest of the bar? Did it look, was it similar to the, to the layout and setup as it is today? Yeah. I mean, it's been changed a few times. It's even in our 23 years, but in the back bar in which we call the club room where the clubs meet, that was actually uh, Clifford's leather store. So it was, uh, it was uh, Clifford is the one that owned it at the time. And it was his leather store. I don't know if they had anything in the basement downstairs. I'll be honest with you. I can't remember that far back. I don't know if it was just the basement, but you know, the, where the leather store is now, we used to have a bar there called the dungeon, but it was one of those situations where everybody wanted to be on the main floor to see everything going on. So it wasn't that popular. The bartender down there didn't, it, I mean, it was the same bar, same Eagle, but it just doesn't, I was wanted to be kind of like a, almost like its own little leather section, but it never really took, took off too well. But um, so then later on, as we know, it, it became the, the, uh, the leather store. Well, over the weekend, your announcement came just before Pride Weekend in Atlanta. It was the 50th year of Pride in Atlanta, and it was an odd celebration because it was all virtual, no parade, no Piedmont Park, virtual events with, with a bunch of in-person nightlife. How, how was the weekend uh, for you at the Eagle? Well, it was um, much, um, much slower than I was anticipating. Like I said, I was not even anticipating any crowd or anything. I was just thinking that there might be. And that's why I I put up a tent as you're coming up the up through the backyard, up, up the back to the driveway, only because I knew it was going to rain. I thought, well, if somebody did show up, I wouldn't want them to be standing in the rain. So we really didn't even need it. But I, I felt I felt the need to to um, to have that out there. So we had a, a very small turnout, a just very intimate night. It was very sweet. Um, a few little, little, little bit of tears, um, knowing it was going to be our last pride at three or six. And, um, but it was, um, really, um, just a really sweet night. You know, like I said, very, very few people, but the ones that was there was just so full of love and pride and, and, and wishing the bar the best. And so it was, it was a very, um, very sweet night for me. I really, um, it, it was very special. Well, and so that was the last pride at the 306 building what was your first pride like as when you after you bought the eagle well i wish you'd have known me 23 years ago so i could tell you but <laughs> you can want me to remember 23 years we're gonna have to we're gonna have to I'd probably be hypnotized or something but i remember all i can remember is all i can tell you this and and it's really fascinating is every single year Pride weekend got bigger and bigger and bigger. And last year, it's funny, didn't know that was going to be my last Pride per se. But last year, I actually asked one of my employees, how can it get any bigger than this? I mean, I don't know if you remember the pictures from last year, but there there was not even, it was almost impossible to get into the parking lot, much less the building. Uh, it was absolutely, I stood, I, I remember how proud I felt that night. And as I you know, stood at the top and I looked down at all these people and I, 
you know, I thought to myself then, I said, you know, this, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is really amazing that this many people appreciate this bar and are part of this community and that, um, you know, they want to come here and celebrate pride with so many other places in Atlanta to go. You know, it was kind of funny how, how amazing last year was. And, um, it's so funny what I had said about how could it how could it have gotten any bigger and come to find out that's the biggest. So um, but it was it's always been fascinating to me how each year got just a little bit bigger, you know, until we um, till last year. And um, if you were there last year, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was an incredible night, incredible weekend. Twenty three years since you've since you've owned the bar. Can you talk a little bit about how. LGBTQ Atlanta has changed. You mentioned, you know, when you first went to the Eagle, uh, the sign was different and, and, and the, uh, there was kind of a lack of openness about having gay bars, even in, in Midtown. How has that changed over time? Well, you know, look, here we are in 2020. And as of today, on March the 12th, 2020, we can still get married. Now, what this horrible administration is going to do about this, about that. I hope that it's just all talk right now. Um, but during this, during this administration, I feel like we're going back to 1950. I just hope to God people get out and vote this year and, and we can somehow stop this nonsense. But we've, we've come a long way. I mean, you know, like I said, even, you know, when I was young and first going to the Eagle, we, back then we thought we had come a long way, you know. So we, we know that um, it's funny how the Eagle family itself has really not changed that much. I mean, we're, I mean, we're just, you know, we're just, it's just an incredible, incredible um, community. And we, like I said, we just, there's this, this bond that brings us together. So, but through the years of, of, of different things that's happened in our government, the legal, not legal, not legalizing um, um, marriage equality, gay marriage um, from, you know, back you know, getting rid of the sodomy law. You remember that was on the books, you know, 33 years ago, 23 years ago. Right. So we've, we've come a long way, but boys and girls don't let your guard down. We got a long way to go and we better keep fighting because we got a fight ahead of us. Like we ain't never seen. So it's, um, we, we got to fight for the ones after us. We got to fight for this younger generation that's out there now that think everything is okay. And they're living on top of the world, but we, we got to make sure that we, we, we fight for them. So they, they will have a good future and they'll be able to continue to get married and have the same rights as anyone else. And so we, we, we still have work to do. We've got work to do. Well, in 2009, 2009, you had a fight on your hands. That's when the Eagle was raided by Atlanta police and what was later ruled to be an illegal police action. Eight people were arrested and later exonerated. And it took years of litigation and cost the city about $3 million. What was that experience like? One of the things that I sit here today and think about that, um, we didn't realize, I didn't realize it at the time. I'm sure the attorneys did and, and a lot of other people did. But, you know, for Atlanta, that was just the beginning of police reform. You know, so many people thought that case had something to do with a gay nightclub. That case had everything to do with people's civil rights that are still to this day being violated. So um, our city, we still have a long way to go. I mean, so the case as I know it today means so much to me. I mean, you know, people don't realize that back then when we were raided, they didn't even was, they weren't even required to wear name badges. They wouldn't even tell some of our customers their names. They wasn't, you know, body cams. And my biggest thing was Red Dog. You know, Red Dog got disbanded after the raid. Right. Red Dog was a vicious, horrible group of police officers. And, and that was a special, specialized unit of Atlanta police that did a lot of high intensity and very controversial uh, things uh, and and was involved in the police raid at the Eagle, but also involved in other activities and searches and harassment of citizens. That that a lot of that documentation came out because of the raid. Correct, and that's when I would say that's why I feel like we were part of the beginning of, of police reform because 
no police department, Atlanta or nowhere else in the country needs units like that. They, every place, listen, I'm 100% support the police. I, even during the raid, even when the settlement came out, I, I said, this money should be going to y'all for your retirement to give you pay raises. This is ridiculous to spend this kind of money on a lawsuit. But you know what? When your city officials and your city leaders and your people who are supposed to be, you know, leading you do not lead properly, it costs them, it costs money. So, you know, that's what's so important to make sure that we have the right leaders and the right people leading these police departments around the nation that realize, you know, what civil rights are and what, you know, what is good and what is bad. We've got amazing officers in the city of Atlanta. I've, the, the, the relationships, I've I had relationships before then, and I even build more after the raid. I respect each and every one of them. I've said as a citizen that the three top paid professions in this country should be policemen, firemen, and teachers. For them to be some of the least paid people, we as Americans should be ashamed of ourselves. I mean, these teachers teach our children, and who, you know, somebody breaks into your house, the first thing you're going to do is call 911, or if, you, if your house is on fire, what you're going to do? You're going to call the fire department. All these people are here to save our lives, and we, we pay them peanuts. It's stupid. So, but I, I, I just, I do feel like we need police reform even to this day in this city, and I hope to God we get it. Um, I hope that the nation gets it. It's so important. All everything that's going on, we've got to get rid of these these bad police officers, and we've got to support the good ones. It's so important that we do this as a community. I mean, because we 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 need our police officers, we need our police departments, but we need them to be. We need them to. to to protect us and we need them to follow the law and we need them to protect our civil rights. I mean, we, we, we have got to do a better job in policing and we need police reform. After the raid, you talk, you talk with us and others about how the community showed its love and support for the Eagle. And because of that, that you always would work to make sure that the Eagle is around for the community, that that community support and love that was that one of the things that uh, helped get you through the years after the Eagle Raid? Well, it did. I mean, we you you know the love and support we got for that, but you also know the support we didn't get. I mean, you know, one of the things that the Eagle Raid was for that the Eagle Raid, the case was to protect each and every citizen of Atlanta, Georgia, whether you were gay, straight, black, white visitor, whether you lived here, it was to, to make sure that your civil rights were protected and wasn't it treated like the customers were treated that night. It was so, so important. But there was a, you know, we, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of organizations. There was a lot of different people that kind of turned their back on us. And you know what? That was fine. We, we, we stood up for what was right. And I will continue to try to do that as a business owner in Atlanta. And I think it's, it's so important that, you know, our community comes together during these situations. I mean, like I said, I was, there's quite a few people, you know, as a reporter, you know, who was out there and who wasn't. And every single business owner in the city of Atlanta benefited from our lawsuit because that's, you know, our attorney is still overseeing that lawsuit. I'm sure you're aware of that. So, um, I mean, they still have got to have sensitivity training and everything that we settled on, you know, everybody remember, we, we didn't ever go to court. We settled on things, but everything that we settled on and the city agreed to do, they're still held liable to do those things as we speak today. Right. And, and on several occasions, your attorneys had to go back to court, federal court, to have the court enforce the reforms that the city agreed to and to make sure that they were being done. Yes. And each and every person that's listening to this, let me tell you something. Dan Grossman, he works for this city every single day. It is so important for y'all to understand that still to this day that we're still fighting this case. And that, to me, once again, is part of police reform. We have to stand up and make sure things are done right where, you know, 
it's just very important. It's so important. And so I'm, I'm so proud of, of him and the, the attorneys that fought this case. And I'm more proud of the, the, the customers that stood up and wanted to fight this case because it, it was a very frightening time for all. And Dan was the attorney that worked with Lambda Legal to bring the initial federal lawsuit over the raid. Is that right? Correct. Dan was the leading attorney. He was he came to me in the beginning um, and um, um, I did not know him or anything at the time, but he was um, um, and, and very very few people know this, but I tell you, the Southern Center for Human Rights is the one that convinced me that this needed to go to, to, to be a lawsuit. I mean, I when I when they came and spoke to me privately and told me what these officers were doing in some of the poor black areas in Atlanta and and some of these people didn't have the means or ways to, to stand up and fight in a, an organization such as big as an Atlanta Police Department. I mean, I was in tears. It was it was the most horrifying thing I'd ever heard of. And we as citizens, we, we don't know really what's going on. And that's why, you know, when somebody says to me, when I say black lives matter and somebody says all lives matter, that's when I tell them to go to hell. Because you know what? Black lives matter. And until you know the stories, until you've heard the stories, until you, you've, you've got the information is, you know, it's, it is so important um, for our community to come together and support this movement, support Black Lives Matter and support police reform. No defunding the police and all that crap that, you know, people are saying every Democrat's for it. Absolutely not. We need policing and law and order in our country, but it's got to be done the right way. We've got so many issues that needs to be addressed. That Red Dog unit was a unit that terrorized uh, black neighborhoods and and poor parts of Atlanta. In addition to you know doing the the raid at the Eagle, so correct. And they and they knew that nobody was going to fight them. But you know what? They came into the when they came into that queer house that night. They didn't think they thought we was going to lay in the floor for two hours and take their shit. And guess what? Our boys didn't do that. They stood up and they fought. And I'm so very I'm so I guess one of the most proudest things in my life is being a part of that movement that we made in Atlanta. I'm so very proud of them. And because that Red Dog unit from killing Miss Johnson to doing no knock warrants and killing people and just that it was just it was just a, a horrible, horrible group. I mean, how they lasted as long as they did, I'll never know. So um, but um, but once again, Matt, these people were being taught this. It's not like they were bad people. They were being told to go in there and do that. They were they were being told to go in there and and treat the people the way they treat them. I mean, they were being told to to do cavity searches on the side of the road to 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 people. I mean, this this wasn't because they thought they didn't know they was breaking the law. Most of them, even to this day, they some of them don't even realize they're breaking the law because they're you, you, you go to school and all this you know they they teach you how to police and and. Um, you know, they don't even know some of them to this day still think that, this, that some of the things that they do that are wrong and violate people's civil rights is part of policing. But it's not, you know, that's, you know, that's the one thing that we we're all given when we were born in this country is civil rights and they need to be protected. When, in a 2017 interview with Project Q, you talked about providing a safe and clean environment for the Eagle, for Eagle patrons. And you also talked about how the Eagle family doesn't take change well. So how do you. How will you manage that in opening a new Eagle? My biggest goal, like I said, is just trying to keep the same format and the same loving home for people to come to. We all know that a location is not everything, but, you know, like I said, it's just like someone having a, a, a childhood home that they was raised in and lived there all their life and having to leave it. Sort of how that's sort of how I feel. I feel like that um, I'm having to leave my childhood home and and move on. And so um, but we all know there's always that next chapter. And um, you've got to you've got I've got to go into this thing being positive and upbeat and um you know, try to control these tears and, and, um, but they're, you know, they're, they're sad tears and they're happy tears. You know, if this was the end of the Eagle, I wouldn't probably be able to do this interview, but I know this is just the next chapter and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, just, and I have so much support with the community. It's just unreal. It's unreal. 
Well, since I have failed in my Barbara Walters moment to make you cry today, I will just leave you with this last question. Where can people find you, follow you, and stay on top of updates on what's going on with the, with the new Eagle? Well, if we were doing a live interview. You could say that I've had a few tears, but I've been trying. I tried to be. Did you? I, well, then I want to note that for the record. Then I, I didn't think I made you cry, so I was. That yes. was my goal. Um, when you when we were talking about the memories of um of when I first walked into the Eagle, they'll um they will be with me forever. But let me tell you, to keep up with Atlanta Eagle, we're going to do all of our social media is going to be very active during the downtime. Our our Facebook, our um, Instagram, uh, you know. I'm not a big social media person, so you know my husband is, and uh, have uh, great people that are helping uh, um, Neon. So many people. Um, so, um, but the everything's going to be real active. I'm going to keep everybody, you know, updated on what's going on and check in with them every month. We're going to do virtual DJ uh, nights, you know, on the weekends. So we're gonna. Um, you're not gonna. You're going to still be able to enjoy that line of Eagle DJs while you're at home getting through the pandemic during the winter. You're still going to be able to get to see me every now and then, God forbid. And um, but you'll be um, we're going to be very, very connected through social media. You know, I'm learning as a 50, almost 57 year old man how important social media is today. You know, when I went to high school, we didn't have computers. So um, it's very um, uh, it's very important for me to stay in contact with the community, getting let them know, you know, what, what we're doing, um, uh, make sure that all the DJs, um, get to do virtual sets so that all of our customers can't, don't miss their favorite DJs at the Eagle. You know, we've got great DJs there. I mean, I, I, I love our DJ community at the Eagle. And so, um, it's, you know, we're going to stay connected and, um, maybe you'll have me on another show in the future and check in with me and I'm going to, um, I make sure that everybody is aware of what's going on and we'll all, we'll all get through this together. And, and I think that, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be able to know, I think by the first of the year, which direction we're going to go, whether it's going to be earlier than June. I just, I don't know. I, I really feel like it ain't going to be any later than June. I just, I feel like that we're going to get a, in my mind, we're going to get a new administration that's going to come in and, and tackle this, this virus and do all the right things. And um, we're going to get this behind us and um, we're going to move on and um, we're going to come out of this. Okay. All of us, the whole country, I, I want each and every person listening, you know, every Everyone's in my thoughts and prayers. I mean, this has been a very difficult time for the whole country, not just bar owners, but bar owners and restaurant owners and small business owners. And just in these people that are losing their jobs, my heart aches for them. I can't even watch the stories on the news. It, it breaks my heart. But we're going to get through this together. Um and we're all going to be okay. And so with that said, I want everybody to stay tuned and and follow us on our Facebook and Instagram. And, and if it's social media, we're going to, and Twitter, don't forget about Twitter. What's his name? Loves to tweet. I'm going to start, I'm going to get like him to start tweeting all the time. I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. Don't do it. Twitter's, Twitter's a cesspool of awfulness. Don't do it. <laughs> Okay, so Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. and um, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, Instagram, Instagram, and Facebook. So y'all stay tuned. Thank each and every um, one of uh, one of y'all. Um, thank you to my incredible staff and manager and Travis, and thank you to my incredible, incredible community. Your love and support will 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 never ever be forgotten. Well, and thank you to you, Richard Ramey, for joining me today. And thanks to everyone for listening. Subscribe to Podcast Q to keep up with new episodes and follow us at theqatl.com. We'll see you soon with a new episode.